Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Edit audio. Hi, all. Before we start, just a quick heads up that this conversation touches on themes of substance abuse and addiction. If you're someone who is close to addiction or struggles with it yourself, you may want to skip this one. Please know recovery from addiction is possible. For help, please call the free and confidential number 1-800-662-HELP or visit findtreatment.gov. Hello, everyone. I'm Robin Hopkins, and this is Well Adjusting, where I talk to people about life stuff, but not in an NPR way. It's more like we're at the bar, having cocktails, getting into your business sort of way. It's it's giving drunk NPR. Oh, and producer Steph is here too. Hello. Today we chat, well, when your finance problems aren't necessarily about your finances. Hey, everybody. Super excited about today's episode because I have to say, I absolutely love when we have listeners who write in and want to talk about a problem. Oh, and you can too if you want to be in a future episode. Just reach out to hello at editodd.io. Anyway, today is one of those days. Danielle reached out to talk about, well, lots of stuff, but primarily a recurring cycle where she keeps ending up in debt. Turns out it's not all about the spending. In fact, it goes a lot deeper than that. So enough from me. Let's bring in Danielle and let's see how we can help. Hi, my name is Danielle. I am a customer success manager currently in my professional life. Um, Don't love that, but that's what I do. And then um, from a personal perspective, I am a mom to a toddler that's a year and a half old. I'm married. My husband and I live in a small town in Florida on the East Coast. Currently speaking, very unhappy with with my career. Um, I've heard previous episodes, I think it's called like the golden handcuffs that you referred it to, but definitely related to that episode. And I was like, wow, this is this is me. This is what I'm dealing with right now. And I'm trying to find my way out of it. But unfortunately, the reason I'm kind of stuck in those golden handcuffs is because I'm the breadwinner of my family and I need to be bringing in the income that I am bringing in because we are kind of drowning in debt. And Uh. in the past, we've kind of ebbed and flowed in and out of debt over the years, but I was formerly in sales. So a good way to kind of knock it out would be, hey, get a big commission check or a big bonus check, go ahead and pay that down or pay it off and let's not do it again. Um, In the past, I'd say (laughs) it was bad habits. I'm laughing because it's like best laid plans. Yeah. And, you know, in the past, I'd say it was a combination of like needing those credit cards and maybe some immature choices that if I could, you know, redo them as an adult, I probably wouldn't do them. But I'd say at this point where we're at today, I guess I'm a bit stumped because we had no debt about a year ago. And now we're in a bunch of debt. We're trying to do the right thing. We've been so mindful of our decisions. Um, My husband did lose his job for about three to four months. And with everything being so costly these days, that that definitely had an impact and why we went through our savings and where the credit card debt started to rack up again. But at this point, I'm stuck on how to get out of it. You know, I don't okay. want to be in this career anymore, but I think we need to address the financial problem first because following that, I then have the flexibility to step out of my career. Yeah. 
So I, I want to ask you, because the first thing that I hear in what you're saying is a pattern of debt. Because if you just took it on the surface of this of this last most recent story, your husband lost his job and inflation is insane and expenses are really high right now. So that's one thing, but it has happened previously. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about how you got in debt, maybe the first couple of times, like what it looked like. And then I'd love to hear how you got out of it. And I think along the way, we're going to touch on golden handcuffs. Yeah. So we're going to hit it all. We're going to we're gonna get to all this. <laughs> I can feel it. Okay, great. So yeah, when did real debt start happening? I would say in 2016. That was about mm-hmm. a year after I graduated from college. I had struggled to find a job for several months. I was used to living off of financial aid, which was no longer there. And I was being hit with new bills. You know, now it's been a year you graduated. You have these student loan debts you have to pay off. My husband and I were trying to plan our wedding that we were responsible for paying for. And so I think at that point, I did find a job. It was a sales job. That's when I got into sales. And we Mm -hmm. started putting things on the credit card as like a backup. Like we can't pay this bill right now, but once... Danielle starts selling and bringing in some money. Things will even out. (laughs) As soon as those commissions come in, we're golden. Yeah, well, the commissions didn't come in as quick as we had hoped. But when they did start coming in, sometimes it'd be, you know, not enough to to pay down the cards. Sometimes I could pay them all off because at the time, my spending limits were pretty low compared to what they are today. You know, we're talking about, I think I had two credit cards that had a spending limit of $2,000. So it wasn't an insane amount of debt. It was manageable. And because it was manageable and never too stressful or out of control, we would continue to repeat those patterns. Oh, we want to go on a vacation or we need to go to someone else's wedding. A dog is sick, you know, $500 vet tab, put it on the credit card because we will take care of it later with Danielle's commissions. The kind of turning point where I really hustled to knock down the debt is when My husband and I, we were living in just a really rough neighborhood around the university area Mm -hmm. from where I graduated. Somebody got shot on a street corner and I'm like, that's it. We're in debt. I don't have the credit score I need right now to get a house, but I'm going to freaking figure it out. I happen to make really awesome commissions, like two, five grand months, paid off all of the debt. Mm -hmm. You know, fast forward 2018, we buy a house. We have five grand in the savings account no debt. Okay. That was great. It was a lot of work. It was very stressful. I had a hustle, but I was like, wow, this is where we're not going to let things get bad again. And because I paid it all off, I then had like increased spending limits on my cards and opportunities to get new ones. So sure. They love you. They love you. They're like, this girl's paying. Give this girl more credit. Yeah. So um, for a while we did. Before you go on to the the second piece, I just want to point out two things because I think they're going to come up again. Yeah. Um, there's got to be an emotional piece in here because I hear a lot of Danielle's going to pay this off. So I feel like we're going to need to talk about that at some point. But the second part is, do you already hear the cycle in this of we want something now, we don't have the money, we'll pay for it in the future. You clear the decks. And the problem is, is when you clear the decks, you then are at zero, you're not at 5,000 in the bank, you're at zero and you have more needs and wants that are coming in. So there's, you are always in that cycle. You are always going to be behind the eight ball because you were never pre-saving for anything. Do you, do you see that in the cycle? Yes, absolutely. Cause that is what credit cards do is they just, it's the delayed gratification or well, it's instant gratification, delayed payment. Yeah. So, okay. So what I will add, and it's probably a detail I should have mentioned uh, that I didn't, is that the reason I keep saying, you know, Danielle paid it off and that it's always been such a big initiative on my end is all of our credit cards and all of our debt are only under my name. And why is that? Yeah. So um, my husband grew up very differently than me, didn't have a college education, was never groomed to financially be responsible. He is a great, loving, huge Puerto Rican family from Long Island, but they all have the hustler mentality. Let's wait until it gets to where we have to take care of it. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. And that's it. There is no getting ahead. It's always let me give the shirt off my back, even if I don't have one. So it's this vicious cycle. So I always felt like I had to be a control freak about the spending to make sure we were being responsible. And not only that, but he never had any type of like 
credit really established. He only had negative marks on his credit, so he was never able to get anything from past decisions when he was younger and he had no guidance or anything to be like, hey, you don't want to open that account if you can't keep up with it or things to that nature. So everything's yeah, kind yeah. of naturally fallen on my plate uh, starting from day one. And I, I just have to ask, like, how you feel about that? Because I feel like we're going to be doing a lot of hopping back and forth between the feelings and the and the things that you can do. Because if you want to establish credit for him, there's many easy ways to do it. You can put him as a person on your card and the credit still does affect you, but then he's building credit. You can open up cards that are like pay as you go. Like there are ways to do that. And so I, I am curious why all of this is landing on you and how you feel about it. Yeah. So that's actually a good segue into like, while we were trying to purchase the house and get approved for a mortgage, we did all those things. Added my husband to all of my cards that I was paying off. And they just suggested, hey, you're going to want to proceed with getting approved with just just yours. Like we can do this now just under you. Get you the house you want. So we did it. In 2018, I did not know at the time that my husband had an addiction, had an addiction to opiates. Um, This was going on for years. And I wasn't actively monitoring our credit card accounts because we weren't really spending. The goal was don't spend. We worked so hard to get here. I worked so hard to get here. Don't spend. So I admittingly wasn't checking the account. Why would you check an account if you have a zero balance and you know you're not putting anything on the card or there's no fees associated? And it wasn't until I was pregnant in 2021 where I noticed weird behaviors with my husband to where it all kind of came to fruition that he had been using for years and all the debt that had been racking up on my credit cards over the years was was him using it behind my back because he had been added as an authorized user. Okay. Yeah. I'm having feelings. Yeah. Are you having feelings? <laughs> yeah. You know, I've done a lot of counseling to work through this. That's why my husband and I yeah. are where we're at today. So, but yes, lots of feelings there, just lots of mixed feelings. I kept noticing like Cash App and Venmo, you know, weird charges oh. and like cash advances, all this stuff. And oh, I was wow. going crazy thinking I was getting frauded, that somebody stole my identity. That's why this is happening. I'm in tears every day. I'm on the phone for hours trying to figure out with these companies, like, what's going on? And in every time I got a new card, because that's what they do when you think you're being frauded. Yeah, yeah. It would happen again. I'm like, how, how is this happening? Someone truly has to have my identity. And the whole reason I come to find out is it was my husband. He was in a, you know, in a serious addiction and he needed to find yeah. a way to fund it. And that was the best way he could fund it. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. I don't want to say too much. So what what happened next? Yeah. So I think I was going into my second trimester when I actually found out my husband was using. Um, His relatives came to me and were like, hey, I think he's treating you this way because he's not the person he was. He's the person on drugs. And he had a, a former addiction issue when he was younger before he moved to Florida. And I knew about that. But it was by yeah. no means as bad as this. And we try to have open conversations to make sure that I was aware if that ever happened again. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm sitting there in debt, sitting there pregnant with my baby. I was very sick throughout my pregnancy. I mean, getting sick constantly, very tired. I've, I'm on the phone with all of these different companies trying to figure out, you know, am I getting frauded? And it all is like, wow, it, it hit me in the face and made sense. I just didn't know what to do from there. I'm like, I, I can't get out of this debt myself. I don't really want to report my husband because, you know, I have addiction in my family and I understand that, you know, the addiction has a lot to do with this. I don't want to go down that path. But like, what do I do from here? So my dad lives in North Carolina, has a nice house, but the whole downstairs like apartment area. He's like, put the house up for sale. I know it's your dream house, but bring the dogs. You don't got to pay a penny. Let's just get everything over here. Have your baby up here in North Carolina we'll figure out the husband situation or he can figure out the situation with the addiction, but let's focus on getting you to a safe environment where someone's not taking your money, where you don't yeah. know who's coming in and out or when your husband's going to be home. You need someone there to support you and uh, just to 
make sure we were set up in a good place. And our thoughts were, let's sell the house. It happened to be a good time to sell a house with COVID. Um, it was in a yeah. really good area. Thankfully, yeah. It was a, just enough money to pay off the like 25 grand in debt that had racked up under my name over those years. And to also leave me and my daughter something or and my husband, depending on how the future panned out, to restart, to get right. into a rental to put a down payment on a house, whatever it is we wanted to do. And I'm someone who likes to plan. So as much as everything felt somewhat taken care of, you know, it was just a lot for me. I'm sitting there in North Carolina by myself. Like, how did this end up? Oh my God, and you're pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that is an incredible amount of stress. Yeah. Yeah. Very emotional time. And what ended up happening is I found a rehab in Tennessee inpatient for a month that we were able to get him to. About three days okay. before I actually moved, brought him to the airport. My dad picked him up in North Carolina, drove him to Tennessee, had a nice chat with him that probably wasn't the most pleasant, and then um, sure. <laughs> dropped him off. And he was in there for a month while I had kind of a month in North Carolina to get settled myself and start some yeah. counseling and, you know, rack my brain around where we were going to go moving forward. I mean, thank God you had so much family support. Yeah. And my father has a history of addiction, um, alcoholism, drug use way in the past. He's been sober for, I want to say, close to 10 years now. So it was a good person to be helping me with that as opposed to like all of my other relatives, because he understood that if you want to, Danielle, this doesn't have to be the end of everything. Right. If he decides he's going to pursue sobriety and you're going to pursue having a relationship with him for whatever reason, the sake of your daughter, because you want to, you're in love with him, he can be that person and that supportive figure. And that's that's exactly what kind of did happen when my husband came back. It was just, we could be open about it. We didn't need to just like shove it off in a corner and not talk about it and act like it never happened, which I imagine would have been the case if I had fled to other family members that were still in Florida. That would have been a much easier move, but I felt yeah. best going to my father. Yeah, yeah. This is so much. I mean, you've you've hinted at you're back together so that things are okay now. Yeah. But like, I guess I just want to ask, like, you did a lot of counseling, what your process was and and what you're looking at. Were you kind of just like, all right, I'm going to let him back in, but we're going to see or. So everything's based on my comfort level, basically. So I'm a control freak by nature with my finances because I grew up where everything was provided for me until I was 15. My parents got divorced and it was all taken away. Like horrible time yeah. being a teenager. So I've naturally always been that control freak. But obviously earlier on in our relationship, I let him in. I gave him access to those cards. So everything was up. Well, to he me. was your husband. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, exactly. <laughs> it's like right? that you would. It makes sense. Yeah. So we do have a different relationship than a lot of other people. When he goes out, I'm like, how much did you spend? I could look at the bank account, but it's kind of like a balance of, okay, when do I check on my own behind the scenes and make sure things are copacetic? And when do we just openly communicate? And he doesn't really get bothered by it because as much as I'm sure there's some days where he is frustrated, like, wow, I've got to report to her like she's my mother. That's how we need to operate for me to be comfortable. And I guess that communication has just been the biggest thing. Every night when our daughter goes to bed, we're usually hanging out for an hour or two, just talking about everything, finances, life, goals. And, uh, I think that I'm I'm mainly in control. I handle the bills. So there's that. And that's why I'm so mind boggled. Like, I get it. He lost his job. But like, how did we get back here? Being that I'm the one controlling it now. There is no fraud going on. Obviously, I'm actively checking that. Like, you know, addiction gets replaced with spending. So in the beginning... Sure. He would just go to Walmart and buy like baseball cards or a new video game or something just because he's trying to learn how to occupy his time and cope with everything without going straight yeah. to to using. And so I always carve out a little bit for him to do like, hey, this is your basically your allowance. Yeah. Well, OK, what I want to ask you, because we are going to talk about things you can do like to get out of debt. I mean, some of it's just going to be time, but like what I want to ask you is from the beginning, there's this pattern of, and, and 
in your words, you're, you were a part of this as well, you know, this portion of it yeah. of like, we want this thing now, we're going to sort it later. And you have some generational like family trauma around money. Money was there. It, it was, everything was safe. And then it was removed. And then all of a sudden it was like, now figure this out. So there's, there's that portion. But then there's also, I, I just have this feeling like, is this a setup that you can do forever where you're, you know, essentially being like a guardian of the finances? Like what's, what's happening? What is he responsible for, for bringing himself up to be an equal partner? And what are you, are you asking for that? Or are you comfortable the way things are? Like, is this sustainable? Yeah. Good question. So because I suspect it's not. No. Where we're at right now is trying to figure out how to get out of that imbalance. Um, when we moved back here, he was in sales as well. His goal was every time I made commission, we're saving that. I was like totally on board with that. I'm like, never got that from you. That's a great starting point. When he got laid off, we both thought he was going to get a job a lot quicker than he did. So I'm like, okay, this is unfortunate, but we're going to get through it together now that we have our daughter, that made him realize once he did secure another job, he's like, shit, like three months of me not working just put so much stress on us again. That was unintentional. How do I contribute to getting out of it? Because now, yeah, I'm making money again, but it's not enough money to like provide that additional like commission. Yeah, it's going to take six months to get there to where I'm making that type of money. So him and his friend actually decided to try and go on a business venture to start kind of like a coping mechanism. Like, what can I do with my free time to not get into trouble and do something that's going to help us as a family? And it's to establish some sort of business and make money. So they dove headfirst into like the tech industry, 3D printing. And for the last almost year, every night, and every weekend, almost 90% of the time, which is why I'm doing most of the parenting outside of my job, they are doing the damn thing with that. They're not there yet, but they're talking to the right people. They're talking to investors. They're they're doing everything from my perspective that I guess I would be doing if I was in their shoes. And what's okay. so our plan is that once that comes to fruition, hopefully within the next six months to a year, that's kind of where life would change for us. Unfortunately, where I think we're both uncomfortable is there's no guarantees in launching a business and how successful it's going to be. There's a little bit of uneasiness there. And that's where I feel super stuck because I'm like, oh, okay. does he have income outside of that that business venture? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He works full time. Oh, OK. He's okay, in okay. sales. So he gets commission. The commission isn't much. Um, but even with both of our incomes combined, we're getting by. We have a little bit of money. But it's that realistic spending money you go through. You've got a kid, ran out of milk, need gas in the car. You know, we can't just sit inside and not be social. So once a month, we may go see a movie or go out to dinner, but we are by no means splurging. We don't really go on vacations. Yeah. If we do, it's usually funded through a relative who rented a big vacation house for everybody and we're just kind of hopping on board. So we're at this place where it's like un until something breaks through, we can't pay off the debt. We're just getting by and it's you're just carrying it forward. We're just carrying yeah. it forward and we both have the same goals, but you know, he, I don't have the energy in me to try and get a job that pays any more than the job I just got back in May. I mean, I'm making great yeah. money, but I don't like what I do. I want to get to a place where maybe I'm not making great money, but I can exercise my creative talents. But again, it's all based on what we can afford and how we can tackle this debt. Yeah. Well, you're in a hustle, right? You're at a point where I feel like you all have to ask yourself some very hard questions, you know, because, right? Like I'm, I'm thinking about like when I quit my job, my stable, we had benefits that were free tech industry job. Um, I had a plan of like, I had these stock options that were gifted to me through the job. Um, not gifted. I fucking earned them. <laughs> I, I, I reframed myself in real time. Um, I had these stock options and, you know, my wife and I had a conversation of like, what was the runway? What was fair to the family? 
what was fair to me for me to pursue my creative dreams and for me to like really go after something. And, and we had a number and I knew how long it would last. And I knew that at the end of that, I had to do, I'd go back to something that I didn't really love. And so like, I I feel like you two, there needs to be these, these decisions that you two make together. Like, is this the best time to, to be trying to launch a business. Would that time be better served um, picking up a shift at, I don't know, the Home Depot, and then the, all that money goes into debt? You know, is this like, and by the way, maybe I don't want to tell him to give up his dreams in the same way I don't want to tell you to give up on your dreams, but you two are in, you're in a situation. Yeah. And if, you, if, if all things remain constant, nothing will change except your debt will continue to get bigger because of interest rates. Yeah. And because guess what? You got a toddler. It only gets more expensive. Yeah. None of this is going to change. So you guys, I I hate to say it, but you have to have some hard conversations and it's, and it's twofold. Like one side is the finances of it all. Like, can we do this? Is this fair? Is this fair to me? Is this fair to you? Is this fair to our child? Um, Should that be put on hold? Should this happen? Should this happen? And then the other side of it is you, there has to be some hard conversations about how you're both showing up because there's so much, I am responsible for this. I am responsible for this. I am responsible for this. You just slipped in and we didn't even pause. You just slipped in that I'm doing the majority of the parenting. Yeah. Like I just started a ticker tape behind me of the T minus minutes until you explode. <laughs> you cannot live like this, Danielle. I know. Nor should you have to. Yeah, we can thank Will Butrin for that. That was introduced into my life about three months ago. Um, Do not stop paying for Will Butrin. This episode is brought to you by Will Butrin. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and I think that's why I also reached out. Is like. In my, I'm I'm torn between a rock and a hard place because right now, compared to how things were and how they could have turned out, it's great that I have what I have today. Like work, yeah, absolutely, I won't lie. absolutely. You know, we live in a four bedroom house with a pool because there wasn't a huge price difference with everything being so high and this versus like an yeah. apartment. So you know, we have that and. Our relationship, our personal relationship outside of money is good. And my my child's father is present and it's all amazing, cohesive and he's a, he is a good dad. So it's like sometimes I question myself, like, how much more can I ask for if this is everything I could have imagined it to be outside of the money issues? Like, or do I disrupt that somehow? Well, it, it sounds like he's made really, really great strides. And I hope that nothing I'm saying is being like, fucking boot his ass because that's not at all. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I lovely all the work that he's done and that you guys are, are are making this work. This is why I say these are hard conversations. Like, unfortunately, you might need to be like, okay, could we save $750 a month on our rent if we downsize because the market has shifted? Yeah. Like keeping an eye on that. I think there are lots of things that you might be able to adjust and they may be small adjustments. And that's when that kind of, this is why I, my friend who happened to be one of our very first episodes, Aileen, who came on and she had that similar pattern of you of like yeah. robbing Peter to pay Paul and 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 backspending. So she found Dave Ramsey and I, I can't advocate for him. Like I, I don't, I haven't listened to enough of his things, but what I know is that her and I had these conversations and they were an opening for her to see her patterns. And then what she needed was something more of a program that was going to really support her and be around her to help her make significant changes. And I just spent a weekend with her this past weekend and I can't even tell you, she was like, she was like, oh, is that a mutual fund or is that a, is that a, that's just a high yield savings? And she was like, oh yeah, send me that link. And she was like, nope, that's not in the budget. And I was asking all these questions and it's like unbelievable the transformation in the way that she's approaching money and the cycles. And he has this whole plan and it's similar to what I had started talking to her about, about paying down your smallest amount of debt. And then you take that money and you roll that over into your next debt item and nothing happens. Nothing happens, but debt payment until you can clear that out. And then you start to think about savings and then you start to talk about next moves. But it may be that you need something like that, but I'm 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 also going to turn a corner and ask you a question. Have you ever thought about um, Al-Anon? Never pursued it. 
heard about it in therapy talk in the past when um, my husband was in rehab, but never really revisited it. So for anybody who's listening that doesn't know what Al-Anon is, it's it's basically people who have addicts in their life because there's, I mean, it's often we're drawn to the people, your father's an addict and you're drawn to somebody, even though you didn't even know he was an addict, because probably there's a really familiar sense. And we often become enablers and we often um, controlling all of the things like of everybody else's stuff. Yeah, all of the things out here that aren't within ourselves. And my first thought is, it's free. Uh, My second thought is, what an interesting place for you to explore you and your relationship with your husband and your relationship to doing everything and your relationship to control and seeing, like, I don't even know if that second part of what needs to happen could happen until there's some clarity for you about what's like how things got to where they are. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's sort of two things happening. There's the money problem issue and we can definitely talk about that, but there's like another issue that like, it doesn't sound like you have time to even like think. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how you are doing everything you're doing. Like your primary parent, most of the time you have a full-time job, you're supporting your partner's dream and you're like working through the trauma while also building a relationship with someone like that's a lot of stuff. And like, I feel like in order to get to the money stuff, like you need to have more time, like literal just time, like even in the sense of like physical time, but also like emotional weight, like the example where, you know, you ask your partner, like how much did you spend this night? My first reaction when you said that was, okay, that doesn't need to be a question that you need to ask. Like, he can come home from the bar and write it down on a piece of paper for you later or tell you. Like, you could build a system for that, and that's his thing to hold then. You know, he wasn't responsible with the money, so he has to do this, and that's what will make you feel comfortable. Like, I don't want that to be on you to have to ask for it, because that's emotional labor. It's weight on you. It's something you have to be thinking about. Whereas like if you give that to him to hold, that's his thing to do. And hopefully he shows up in a way that, you know, is comfortable for you and moving it forward. And that's like a silly example, you know, but it's not, though. It's not. It's not silly. And I appreciate you for calling it out because we have had these conversations Um, when he sees I'm so stressed and I'm like, I'm at full capacity here. Like he does. He tells me, how can I help more? My issue is that in those conversations, that's where I realized that my inner control freak nature is just so strong and taking over that he's there. He's wanting to help. Like he wants to get up with my daughter at five o'clock every morning. He'll do the nighttime routine. But I'm always like, well, I want I want that time with my daughter. I worked 10 hours a day and she's at a babysitter's house. Like I want that time. I feel guilty if he's taking that time and I'm not there. I want things done a certain way. He was raised very different than me. Some of those traits carry over. I want to make sure that shit doesn't happen. I want to make sure that my daughter's on a routine, basically wired how I am. Um, And so I feel like some of that could be more responsibility on his end. I completely agree. And I don't think we have enough of those conversations because he's always willing to do. I'm just not willing to let him do as much as I probably should be. I also don't think... I mean, I'm the same. I'm super controlling. I'm like very also afraid to ask for help because I don't want to be let down. I do hear parts of that in things that Mm -hmm. you're saying. And that's like totally understandable, you know, based on the literal, like it's not an anxiety that doesn't have like foundational proof. Like you have the evidence that the fear is supported by. So that's like totally allowed, but it's also not a partnership if your partner is not partnering (laughs) like yeah the partnership is like you know if you want him to be a dad you know you you said like it's amazing that my daughter has her dad present it's like yeah he's gonna be a shithead sometimes and honestly you're gonna be a shithead sometimes for sure and your daughter is gonna see that and like she'll learn to love that or like hate that about you but that's like part of it you know and I obviously don't want to like minimize the the things you're afraid of like impacting your daughter or her carrying those on. Like, I'm sure there's really real things that you don't want to carry on. But 
you can't control who your daughter becomes. I agree. No. You can only give her the support and love and environment and your husband can do the same. And it sounds like he wants to. And and the two things have collapsed into each other. Like Steph said, there are these two things. One is the facts of what happened. Like he did disrespect you financially. He did hide an addiction. He did spend the money that you were handling. Then he did get help. But where you are, and that's why I was suggesting Al-Anon is is – you're like a fire marshal. You're just like, you over there and you over here, but there is no space for you. You are operating like the, the house is on fire all the time. And make no mistake, there's some smoldering going on. Like the house is a little bit on fire and it does need to, you can't act like, well, you know, we're good. We'll be fine. Yeah. No, you you got you to gotta get your shit out of there. However, you also need to look at what's going on for you so that you can empower him. There's a reason I married my wife. She's lovely and delightful. And I, I'd be doing a disservice to my kids if I only made them in my image. Yeah. Like they have two parents and I want them to have like, you know, like Mary always says, if something happened to me, the kids would live in prison. She's like, if something happened to you, the kids would be living in the, in the jungle without shoes on. Yep. And she's like, together, we make a really lovely home for our kids. And, you know, recently Mary sent me some video of, of her and my daughter, they were just like killing time in the city and they were just in a chair and they were both turning around and pretending they just saw each other and they videotaped it and they were just like, oh, hey. And they were doing that for like 15 minutes. And I would have been trying to teach my daughter about high school and about, about, you know, setting boundaries. It's like, I'm no fun at all as a parent, but Mary's fun and she brings something that I can't. And if you... Don't let him sometimes break the rules or put, you know, they won't see his style of putting them to bed. Yeah, I'm glad you actually mentioned that because you have the whole yin-yang complex going on in your relationship as well. That's why we worked out so good in the beginning. Like yes. everyone's kind of like, what the we hell? We can't marry you. This girl's in college, <laughs> has everything planned out. This guy doesn't know what he's doing and it works. Um, I don't think I could be with someone who's exactly like me. I don't even want to know what that no. would look like. <laughs> It's really, I did it once. It's really bad. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun. So I think that that's one thing that it's a good call out, Robin, because I don't, I don't think about that enough. And I think that bringing that to the forefront is a good starting point, because maybe I can then kind of more embrace what he does different than me instead of yeah, almost working against the current here because what I'm yeah. what I'm just doing is on autopilot to make sure everything's covered. And as long as it's all covered, then I can get sleep at night. But then I wake up the next morning and we do it all again. I'm just waiting on a Hail Mary situation, whether it's his company to break through or like, you know, I just got this new job. Supposedly, I'll get some big bonus in May if I make it till then without losing my mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe that will help. But like, I'm just sitting here like my main goal is I want to buy a house again. And that really upsets me every day that I can't get any closer to that until I put this debt down. And a bigger goal is that I want to have trust in him when we do go to buy that house. I don't want it to just be my name on all of it. I want both of us to be on that so that it's both of our debt. And I think that's a big part of it, too, is as much as he can say he's concerned, it's truly not his debt in his name. If he wanted to leave tomorrow, I'm stuck with all this shit. So that's another thing is holding him accountable for debt that's also in his name. I think that's a big piece of it too. It's making it reality. Like, yeah, we could talk about all day how this is both of ours and we he absolutely does view it that way. But like, realistically, it, it's yeah. not. It's on me. I saw this one Instagram post probably like 15 years ago. It was so long ago. It was Couples of New York and it was this gay couple and they were both artists and they had basically worked out in their relationship like dream time versus like income time. And they like separated it so that they could both have time to like follow their dreams and go for things. So, you know, for 10 years, like John would work while Mark went and performed in the theater. And then for the next 10 years, Mark would work while John went and tried to like, you know, become the most famous painter and whatever. It wasn't 10 years. It was probably like two years (laughs) or something. 
But I'm just saying that because I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, that's like a really beautiful way of respecting each other's dreams, but also like showing up in a partnership and like being involved in your partner's dreams in a way that you're like supporting them and like giving them that space. And I'm only bringing this up because I hear a lot that like, you are supporting his dream to like maybe have this company, you know, and if your dream is a house, like when is the time that that's that's going to get pursued? Or if your dream is to have six hours to yourself a week, when is that going to switch? And I think defining that or like just talking about that more so that you have time for your dreams is also important. Yeah. Yes. And I'm glad you said that stuff because what I was I was just about to say, I feel like there should be a time frame on his business venture. Like we can give this another however X amount of months. And at that point, I think we have to start to talk about maybe pausing it and looking at other revenue incomes. Either you're going to get a different job that makes more money or there's some kind of like side hustle yeah. or or something that actually generates income. Because right now there's no ROI on what you're doing and we're losing you as a dad and you're not making money. I agree. I think that that's, that's something that could be done. But this is part of all these hard conversations. If you can separate out like processing hey, I'm fucking still pissed that I lost my dream home. And just because you did work doesn't mean that it's not going to come back up again. And forgiveness happens over and over and over. And looking at your behavior of when am I when am I just holding him down because I don't trust him? How do we get to trust? How do I, you know, how do I let you do more? Like there's a lot of emotional work that, I think it'd be really helpful to do as a partnership on your own before you even tackle the finances. Yeah. Keep yeah. doing what you're doing, which is not spending so much, but look at look at the really low-hanging fruit. Have apartment rates come down. Can you shift? You may not want to. Doing a spreadsheet, is that worth it? Do we lose more money in moving? Like looking at all of those types of things to see what like what are really obvious things you can do to help yourself. And then After that, the big conversations about what you two are going to do to reset as partners, because then you can find your Dave Ramsey, you can find your, you know, whatever your course is, you can do all of the things because there's a million books. We've said this before, when it comes to money, it is never about money. Yeah. And you're just proving it in spades. Yeah. And what's interesting is when you emailed us, you wrote to us about feeling stuck in your job and hating it. Yeah. Oh, I it's like can't we haven't even it. talked about that. Like maybe that's yeah. your dream, you know? And so like why are you working this job that you fucking hate? <laughs> yeah, I got sucked. I got sucked in the golden handcuffs. I was selling healthcare IT and I liked the commission that came with it. And I had always the goals of paying off the debt or saving the money. And then it's like, I don't want to sell anymore. I want to start a family. And I want that pressure of hitting a damn quota every month. That gives me anxiety. So change over to like a glorified relationship manager to deal with the most pain in the ass, high dollar customers. I don't get to be creative in my, in my job at all. I think the most important thing of everything we're talking about is some more work for you on you of like, what do I need to do to get balance? Yeah, I agree completely. And I started some talk therapy, but I kind of fell off of it. Um, One thing that was good about that talk therapy is it was an outside perspective every week reminding me when I got consumed in my own thoughts and sucked into my habits and ways of being controlling. um, Hey, you got to step back and you've got to look at it a little bit different. That's that's why I keep, I, the Al-Anon thing just keeps bubbling up for me. I think maybe just check it out and see. It may not work for you, but I know that sometimes sitting in those rooms and hearing other people who talk exactly like me is like, oh crap, I'm not alone. And sometimes I can see things about myself that I can't see when I'm in my business through someone else. And there's so much of it online now. You know, you could take a walk and listen to a Zoom call and just listen. Yeah. No, and I I agree. I admit I was probably pretty resistant to that a while back because I feel like I got so much more out of just like the talk therapy than like, okay, cool. I'm going to hear other people's story about what they went through. It may or may not be similar to mine. I'm sure I'll end up hearing someone who's similar to mine. But like, my path might be different than theirs moving forward. Like, what am I going to get from that that's going to benefit me besides, 
oh, there's somebody else out there that's going through or went through what I'm going through. And I think that I personally probably should have at least explored that a little bit more. Um, So that's definitely uh, something to take note of instead of just going through this vicious cycle of recycling therapists. Yeah, because it may not be right for you. But if nothing else, I always feel like if you tried, whether it's a a talk therapist or a self-help workshop or whatever, even if it didn't work or even if you didn't get the thing that you wanted out of it, if you get a couple of things that change your perspective slightly or that open the door in in an interesting way, it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it if you see something different. Like you said, something's got to change. Something's got to give. And I think that I'm guilty of saying it's got to give on his end because I've done so much work. But admittingly, like, especially having this conversation, like there is more work I could be doing on myself. Well, just to be clear, the work that I want you to do on yourself is to take care of yourself. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like he has work to do to take care of you and of himself. But you you are taking care of everyone else but yourself. Yeah. And you cannot, you cannot, not in a healthy way, continue like that. Yeah, I agree. I'm not the person who I want to be or naturally am as a person when I'm in this state of stress and basically being on autopilot. So I completely agree. And you're not the first person who said that, you know, outside people who just see how much I do are like, Danielle, like, you need to take a break. You need to do this. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I know. But I know naturally just brush it off. And nobody understands what I'm dealing with unless they're in my shoes. So it's like, okay, cool. You can say that, but I got to wake up and do this whole thing again tomorrow morning. So get there when I have time. (laughs) Yeah. But there's something in you that knows that you're ready for this. You called us. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's something in you that knows you're ready. And once this airs, you'll have it. You can listen back to it. And I think that's really valuable. Oh, yeah. I was looking so forward to this conversation because I've had plenty of good conversations with therapists and such, but none of that's recorded. So I'm looking forward to hearing this and being able to look back on it and be like, wow, I had that conversation. This is a reminder of the things that I maybe need to reset and focus on. That's the only homework that I have for you. I'll be interested if Steph has um, different homework. When it does air, will you be able to look back and see that you did two or three things for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm interested to see that. I was going to say exactly what you just said. My therapist, my talk therapist, and like almost every single one of our sessions, booking another session. But before that, she's like, (laughs) and and what are you doing for yourself this week? Yep. And I struggle most of the time to find an answer it's a reminder to myself that I need to do something and it doesn't have to be the biggest thing in the world, but it does remind me that every week I'm checking in and like making sure I'm doing something for myself. Oh, absolutely. I think that that might be a good thing either like to incorporate into the end of your work day. Like what am I doing for myself today? Or once a week, if, if every day feels too much, like once a week, what am I doing for myself this week? And I think it might be a good thing to incorporate into this podcast of what's one thing you're going to do for yourself this week. (laughs) As oh, small yeah. as you want it to be. If you feel comfortable. If you don't, we'll we'll give you a pass, but um, don't take it. I think it. we should all do it. Okay, okay, okay. I love it. So I'm going to Montreal tonight for work. And on Monday, I have therapy in the morning. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do after therapy? It's going to be like harder. And I'm going to go to this spa that's in Montreal called Bota Bota. It's like a little boat spa. And I've actually never been. I lived there for 11 years. I've never once been. So I'm very excited about that. Okay, I know what I'm going to do. I have had a gift certificate from my sister for a spa since the middle of August, and I am going to book my appointment. Oh, I was like, are we both going to have a spa day on Monday? Uh, <laughs> my schedule's been a little crazy, but I can book it. So I'm going to just, I'm going to book it. That's You're what I'm going to do for myself. Giving a gift this week. to future Robin. I love that. That's correct. That's correct. Let me see. All right. Usually football Sundays, that's the one day my husband's like, I'm going to be around. I'm going to chill. But again, I just being the control freak, usually watch the kid. He's just kind of there on the side helping a little bit. I think I don't have anything planned specifically because usually on the weekend, I try to not plan so much so I can be irresponsible or just chill. Um, But I think I'm going to see if this Sunday, maybe he can just, hey, you take care of the kid like most of the day. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll be home. Maybe I'll work on my painting and finally finish it. Maybe me and my best friend will go hang at the beach up the street. But finding something and knowing, hey, you're going to take responsibility of the kid. I don't have to feel guilty about it. I don't have to be a type of way about it because I rarely ask this. 
And I want to ask this a little bit more moving forward. I love this. Love this. I'm inspired. <laughs> I am. I am too. I love it. Well, I, I mean, I just want to say, you know, first of all, thank you for reaching out and just for coming and being so open with us. But you are a badass. You are a fighter and you you are you are a survivor. And I hope that you tell yourself that because yeah. I feel like you need to hear that more. No, thank you. I appreciate that, Robin. Thank you so much. This was this was absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, let's get a little deeper. Money problems are tricky. I mean, on the one hand, it's basic math. If you spend more than you make, you are going to be in debt. But I have to say that telling that to someone who's in debt, it's just not helpful. It's the equivalent of saying to me, oh, hey, hey, Robin, you want to lose weight? Well, why don't you just eat less? Yeah, yeah, I know. The reality is spending debt Our relationships to money are often handed down through the generations. Now, I'm not giving you a pass to say, well, Robin said there's trauma here. So, you know, there just ain't nothing for me to do about my Amex bill. Yeah, um, no. But what I am saying is that before you dive into financial issues, especially ones that have happened repeatedly, it just might be a good idea to investigate your relationship to money and take a look at your family dynamics around money. Then we can talk budget. And if you're listening right now and you're like, oh, oh, I am ready for the next step. Why don't you just head back to episode one? The episode title is called Ain't Too Late to Fix Your Finances. And there are loads of tips for getting out of debt in that episode. Okay. That's it, folks. We are out of money. Time is up, all those things. But before we go, I I just want to say a humongous thank you to Danielle for listening to the podcast and then for reaching out and trusting us with her problem. We cannot wait to hear how you conquer this and you end up back in your dream home. Now, I know this episode talked about addiction. So if you are someone who is close to addiction or if you struggle with it yourself, please know recovery from addiction is possible. For help, please call the free and confidential number 1-800-662-HELP, or you can visit findtreatment.gov. For more Robin, and you may need that, you probably don't need it, but like if you do, you can follow me at RealRobHops on all the platforms, all the socials, as the kids today say. Well Adjusting is an edit audio original, exec produced by Steph Colburn and Robin Hopkins. Thank you to Maria Passingham, Kathleen Speckert, and the whole edit audio team. Oh, hey, before you take out those AirPods, this show is just for entertainment. If you are in need of help, please, please, please reach out to a professional. Go ahead and get that help. You deserve it. Hey, y'all. I have a question for you. Have you been listening to Well Adjusting and secretly or maybe not so secretly thinking, geez, I have a problem. And I bet Robin and producer Steph might actually be able to help me make some headway. Now, if that's the case, I have to tell you, this is your sign from the universe to reach out to us about being on Well Adjusting. I'm telling you, it is a sign. Get in touch. It's so simple. Just email us at hello at editodd.io, or you can hit me up on the socials. I'm at at RealRobHops on all the platforms. And I have to tell you, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to have you on the show. What is it that you are waiting for? Hit us up. Let's solve the world's problems. No, okay, that, that bar is way too high. Let's, let's just have some laughs and, and get into it. We're going to all feel better for doing so, I swear. Mm-hmm.